mechanical freak from Seattle, city of the future, on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia for all the world to see. Uh, I'm Greg, and uh, I'm here with uh, my pod friends, Cassidy and Munya and Brian. Hey, hey. How's it going, Greg? And obviously yeah. not Colin because we don't know how to do an intro without him. So yeah, yeah you know right away. The last we heard, uh, Colin was on a secret journey for. Uh, <laughs> he heard of a neighborhood that was they were giving out the parents were giving out Mountain Dew bottles, full twenty ounce Mountain Ooh. Dew bottles to children <laughs> trick or treated. <laughs> he journeyed to that neighborhood, and we have not seen him since. So, if anybody's seen Colin, let us know. It's He's, it's yeah. uh, it's the modern it's the modern finding gold at the Alamo if you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> exactly. He's gonna he's gonna get lured lured in by like a glowing green aura and end up as someone's McMansion freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Uh it's Halloween for us here today. Uh not for you. You've already enjoyed your Halloween festivities and and so are we by podcasting I guess uh that's that's what we're doing for Halloween the sun is down it's all Hallows Eve the the witching hour approaches and we're just we're about to talk about a real horror a a terrifying spectacle of human uh misery and you know there's there's dismemberment metaphorically there's the rending of minds it's an election folks there's there's a goddamn election again <laughs> it's terrifying spooky. Ugh, god <laughs> cue the spooky music and uh what makes this election extra special uh munya i believe you were the one who posted this in our chat is that uh the new york times has taken notice did you guys see this yeah. Oh, we saw oh, man. it. Oh, no. So, yeah, this is interesting because, like, it's something, this is fits a theme that we've been trying, uh, I don't know how successfully, but tr- trying to hit on this uh, show over the last year is talking about what's going on in Seattle in terms of, like, it being a um, either a model or a beacon for the rest of the country, like... Uh, the hell that everyone else is heading toward, like we're here, you know, and sometimes that means that uh, the rest of the country actually pays attention to that. Uh, and this is one of those times. So we've made the news, guys. Everybody get excited. We're in the paper <laughs> of record. Uh, the gray lady, you know, they're paying attention to us. It's the glory days all over again uh, of Nirvana and almost live. And uh, yes. but it's NTK <laughs> and WTO Nikita. protests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this was in the New York Times. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing. We just want to read some segments from it. The headline of this article, which was printed on the scariest day of the year, October 31st, uh, <laughs> is Seattle voters have choice of both extremes on police. Wait, wait, I have a different title on mine i don't know we might be getting a b tested here um on the and my times website the headline says seattle's choice a police abolitionist or a law and order republican and that's with a question mark (laughs) well see i i like to think that uh 
you know, mine is because uh, the New York Times always slaps my hand whenever I try to go to their website. So I have to like go in through ProQuest. And so I get like the print edition headlines. And, wait, uh, wait, wait. Isn't Munya a subscriber to the print edition of the New York Times? No, God damn it. You, don't you yeah. get that at your door? Like a real nerd 12 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago, I used to actually subscribe to the paper edition of the wow. New York Times because there was some sort of deal. And then when the deal ended, I just like refused. I, I just refused to keep paying them. But they kept sending me the paper anyway. So I got like a year of it for free <laughs> oh, wow. because they were like so sad God's and plan. desperate. Yeah. Wow. And they tried to get the money from me. And I was like, tough luck. Yeah. <laughs> what? They tried to get the back payments? Yeah, yeah. They tried to get That's the back so payments funny. from me. It's like, huh. <laughs> tough shit, New York Times. So uh, I'm part of the reason why they're failing, I guess. Yeah. Um, my yeah. work gives me the New York Times for free. To see if I can like do password share on that. They're kind of weird yeah. about it, but we can yeah. try to do it. So that's why that's how that's why I'm like sending Wall Street Journal and New York Times articles because I just get a free subscription. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's well, only for the well, uh, crossword, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's why you <laughs> just crossworded recipes. It's a subscription service <laughs> for them. <laughs> well, let's jump into the article. And like I said, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to read some pieces uh, and. I thought right off the bat, paragraph two, I just thought there was this interesting discussion to maybe had about the framing of <laughs> our hero, who this article is about, Nicole Thomas Kennedy, uh, New York Times. One of the candidates, Nicole Thomas Kennedy, a self-described abolitionist who seeks to upend the criminal justice system. In Twitter posts last year, she celebrated those who set fires at a youth detention facility called property destruction a, quote, moral imperative, and praised whoever apparently triggered an explosive inside a a police precinct as a, quote, hero. And, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, like, first of all, uh, based, cool, reminders of why we like yeah, Nicole. There's a also, reason she's mechanical freak endorsed, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, at the on, same on time, official like, website. <laughs> I, I thinking back, you know, especially in relation to like the uh, fire set at the um, youth jail construction. I think we and I were literally more measured in our comments on, uh, on the show than Nicole was on her Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I'm just saying I'm, you know, we're not worthy. Um, absolutely. Yeah. What I think there, there's some stuff here that I've noticed that happens in the national media and the youth detention facility. One is a thing that's come up off and on. And I do like this Weasley way that it gets presented as, you know, set fires at a youth detention facility. You know, another way to say that is set fires at a construction site for a youth detention facility, which might hit people's ears and eyeballs a little differently. Like, I think when people read this, they literally like, wait, somebody was setting kids on fire. Right. Right. And it's not accidental that it gets reported that way. Right. Um, it, additionally, you know, this thing, too, about the, you know, praise whoever apparently triggered an explosive inside a police precinct as a hero. Again, another way to say that is someone who tried to start a fire outside the door of an abandoned police precinct uh, as a hero. Right. But again, I don't think that gets quite the pop uh, yeah. that the New York Times is going for. Right. Or called property destruction a moral imperative, you know, called property destruction 
during the George Floyd protests, a moral imperative, which again might change the yeah. way it hits your ear a little. Yeah. And the point of this is to talk a little bit about how Seattle and particularly Kansas Seattle just get painted nationwide as uh I don't know how to explain them like hysterical bomb throwers or something. Um, it's this it's this interesting portrayal that is meant to paint anybody who requests. Uh, the idea is to use this brush to paint anybody who requests anything other than the status quo of the Democratic Party as being this type of person. You must want to light children at the youth detention jail on fire if you are anywhere to the left of Attila the Hunt. Right. And I mean, I think it also, yeah, I mean, you know, we've all met and talked to Nicole and we know like from having actual conversations and discussions and like asking actual questions about her and her candidacy that she is a legit candidate. But yeah, like it's really easy to just go to Twitter and find like the most inflammatory things and uh, make it seem like she's like not qualified or she's like off the rails or whatever. Mm hmm. When I think, you know, they I believe they mentioned later in the article, but uh, when they allow NTK a little bit of time to defend herself and she basically just says like, yeah, I was mad because SPD was tear gassing my neighborhood and had to buy a gas mask for my child. And it's like praising things that didn't really happen versus uh, that, which really happened, which actually happened, had significant <laughs> yeah. impact on people's lives. And, yeah. you know, is like a just a presence like state state sanctioned violence that many mm -hmm. people ex experience and still do experience. Uh, it, it's interesting, like what <laughs> it's interesting what the New York Times chooses to focus on. Um and it just, it does, you're right. It just really does paint such a hysterical, like wild, inaccurate idea when Nicole herself even says like when, when you actually talk to Nicole or like hear her interviewed on what she thinks about police abolition, she even says upfront that she says right now we are not in a position to completely like abolish the police, but we can take steps to you know, have different alternatives, something that sounds really reasonable, even to like a New York Times reader, you know, like something that sounds so uncontroversial. It's just like the dissonance between reality versus I think what is perpetuated and written in the media is just like, will never not be surreal to me, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it, it truly, truly is like something that it's, it's like looking in the belly of the beast and seeing what inventing reality actually is and this kind of feels like that in a way yeah and keep on this is paragraph two if you go all the way to the very end of the article i think about <laughs> two or three paragraphs from the end you will get some important information like the fact that nicole thomas kennedy uh is a public defender who spent years working in the criminal justice system in seattle um whereas her opponent uh, has literally no experience <laughs> in like, the criminal justice system other than calling the police on like teenagers who walk by her house. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, again, stuff that might be considered like top of the article important, right? Unless you were painting a different picture. Now let's just, let's just go to paragraph three where we talk about Ann Davison real fast. So well, hang on. First, that, I just want to do a little citation here where they do talk about um, exactly that. Ann Davison's experience. They have a really great phrase. Begin a paragraph uh, 
although she is a lawyer. <laughs> like that is how they have to preface like talking about Anne Davison's experience. Uh, continues, she focuses mostly on civil contract law and arbitration. She's a fucking corporate lawyer. Like, yeah. <laughs> like but although she is a lawyer, it's just a great uh, phrase. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like never been in court and all this kind of stuff. Um, so over that same period, her opponent, Ann Davison, was moving in the opposite direction. A former Democrat, she declared herself a Republican, appalled by what she saw as a lack of order in Seattle. <laughs> in a city where Republicans have long been cast out of city politics, Miss Davison filmed a Why I'm Not a Democrat video for a supporter <laughs> of Donald Trump, who later stormed the Capitol on January 6th. I mean, they do their best right there. It's hard to hold it together by the end. It's like the ship is rocking as they get through that paragraph and like hold it all together. <laughs> well, it's great, too, because like as we predicted, like when this race started, like most of the local media refuses to even mention the R word in connection with. And Davison um, will mm. the Seattle Times will not mention that she's a Republican. They do not even once in the endorsement. Um, and but even here, the the uh, paper of record is giving her a lot of credit, saying like once a Democrat um, without, you know, even the deeper context, something we talk about all the time that um, the party labels and something like, you know, a progressive Seattleite is meaningless because. The nature of the politics in this town is such that even the most conservative people, if they want to be any kind of player in any kind of um, political venue here, call themselves Democrats. Um, but you could, you know, you don't have to give her, make that whole explanation, that context. You could just not give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, because obviously, Ann Davison, like, you're not, you're not like a Trump Republican. You don't come out publicly as a Trump Republican if you were a Democrat in any meaningful sense, right? Like anyone that would matter to anyone in Seattle, this is someone who opportunistically uh, said she was a Democrat for years because of the context that she was in mm -hmm. professionally and politically. Uh, and, you know, and but still was losing elections. And then I guess it does kind of give the context that she's saying she left the Democratic Party like during the Trump years and during the Trump movement. But like that is that is quite something. Well, it sort of implies, I mean, uh, that basically so she was appalled by what she saw as a lack of order in Seattle. And I mean, given the history of the last two years in Seattle, I, I think part of the implication could be, too, that like, oh, she saw the Black Lives Matter protests and was like, black people, no thanks. Republican Party for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it essentially exactly. did yeah. a, a Southern turn, right? She did a, 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 you know, like you could say, you know, another way to write this could be like Strom Thurmond, also a former Democrat, <laughs> and <Davidson laughs> yeah, yeah, has switched yeah. to the Republican yeah. Party, right? <laughs> and also did because no, exactly she hates that. black people, right? <laughs> or whatever, right? Well, in a way, it's total bullshit and we know that because we understand the context and we're not yeah. giving her any fucking credit but like it she is for people like who write for the new york times she is embodying this she's falsely they're trying to give her the credit of like embodying this false narrative of the person who you will push to you know with all your left extreme views and activism like black lives matter you will push people away 
uh, to make them Republican or something because you're too you're too radical and too, too left. Radical. You know? And that's mm-hmm. that's really that they're basically like rolling that carpet out for her to walk on of being like backing her up saying like uh yeah you know it just got too crazy for her and she went uh <laughs> went republican even during the trump years when that's you know that's just not how it works <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and when i think it's interesting because i mean the, the thing about local context which always gets missed in these stories as seattle has become I mean, we used to joke about this because there was some article in the Seattle Times about the Seattleification of America. And we used to laugh at like everybody in Seattle always thinks the city is way more important than it really is. But in the interim from when we made that joke to today, <laughs> Seattle has yeah. become this avatar, you know, in national politics that people project their own personal insanities upon. Right. Uh, yeah. With no concern whatsoever for what actually is happening. And. This is sort of, I kind of wanted to talk about this because it's been bothering me for a while in the discussion of, like, this is, I think, most obvious or visible in discussions of the chop where people will say, like, Mm -hmm. oh, those kooks in Seattle decided that they were going to form a commune or whatever. uh, And then they just started all carrying guns around because they they actually (laughs) love the cops and all this kind of shit. (laughs) And there was all this context that nobody was particularly interested in. And, of course, no national reporting covered about, like, uh, the chop wasn't like a plan. Like it was created when the police abandoned the precinct and people are just saying like, Hey, don't go in there. It's a trap. Right. You know? And also forgetting things of like, uh, the reason why people at some of those protests were carrying guns around was because, Oh, I don't know. A brother of one of the cops in the East precinct literally attempted a mass shooting like the week prior <laughs> in the room. The police are running their cars into people, have been firing tear gas, you know, into the neighborhood the whole time, uh, almost killed several protesters. Uh, you know, you know, there was a context there and that context yeah. just evaporates yep. as Seattle becomes this avatar for essentially mocking the left. I guess. And not just on like Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this gets done. Amongst I mean, the left, too, even. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. On, on leftist podcasts and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's embarrassing because it's like you're doing the rights work for it. You don't have to agree with the chop or whatever or creating autonomous zones. You don't have to agree with that shit to not carry the rights water for them. You know, yeah, that thought blew my mind about that. And I don't really want to get too off topic, but it really did bother me to see people mm-hmm. who were on the left, like who were not, you know, involved in these um, protests, just really uncritically like eat up like right wing framings of this and just like even analyze this from an either like a left culture war perspective, which is like basically projecting and relitigating their own grievances with other people, you know, of like maybe different um, tendencies on the left and, you know, using CHOP as a um, base for that or just like straight up repeating these talking points from national media and framing from national media and like, you know, like right wing, you know, media sphere. It, it, it really blew my mind and was kind of unsettling to see directly experience what was happening on the ground and then seeing discourse even from the left. Um, of job when again you do not have to agree with like what autonomous zones mean or like you know like who like where you know those like specific things to know that it's all 
to attack the chop in that way as this sort of like um crime ridden uh <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh anarchist like uh you know no Joe totally Pia. it's it like just, really yeah you can expect that from like jason rance and stuff but like to see that from people who have like a rose emoji in their bio it's just like oh cool thanks um but but yeah i mean i i think that uh yeah this is definitely the same vibes and i mean that's like kind of what they're trying to frame nicole as right is like chop personified yeah candidate from chop and I mean, that's what's sort of interesting in their description of Nicole and these tweets is all the context is stripped away from the tweets. And it just comes down to like, can you believe these crazy people? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I just get the feeling that particularly if NTK loses, that this will be how people left and right are going to metabolize this election is like. That's what happens when you ru- when you run the when you run uh, Bakunin as your fucking city attorney. You know. Oh yeah, you expect, I can promise you, know? you. I mean, Tina Podlodowski is not happy that she's having to co-host canvassing shifts for Nicole this weekend with King oh, County Democrats. You know, like she wants <laughs> to be door knocking for Pete Holmes, obviously. And like, if it was Pete versus Nicole, the Democratic Party would be spending millions of dollars against Nicole. Yeah, um, yeah. But but because it's against a Republican and someone who like just last year ran as a Republican for lieutenant governor, like they have to stand by her. And like I've already heard like behind the scenes comments of them saying things like you guys in Seattle don't understand that, like as a Democratic Party, we're trying to win in Spokane and we're having to back up abolitionists they, and people. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. No, they're not. They're not. Fuck off. But but they're with that shit. They're not. They are not happy that they are having to support Mm. Nicole. And so yeah, if if she loses, it's a hilarious position they've been put in. Yeah. No, it is. It's 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 yeah. But But, we also have to remember. We also have to remember too that Democrats have broken rank to endorse Ann Davison as well, including yeah, yeah. our two former governors, Gary Locke and Christine Gregoire. I mean, it is so which is ridiculous. So sad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but go then back on to the our, other. Go ahead. Yeah. I was like, go back to our episode on Boeing and their efforts to break the union to get a fun Christine Gregoire story. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, on the other hand, like uh, King County Democrats and I think all of the uh, LD Democrats have endorsed Nicole, which like right. honestly is kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, what I think that's interesting and let me get to this next par- paragraph because I think that brings up exactly what you're discussing. Um, so a little bit further down, the New York Times says, The extreme range in their political views has left some residents feeling unmoored ahead of Tuesday's election. They said they are worried about worsening polarization. That thing that your average voter really cares about. Worsening polarization surrounding the urgent issues facing the city. Homelessness, housing affordability, crime, mental health, and police reform. Now, they were talking about voters, residents, etc. Luckily, they give us some statements from some of them. Oh, who were they? Uh, one of them was a state senator, and one was a former governor of the state. Oh, <laughs> you know, yes. regular people like you, regular and I. normal people. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You could find a lot of people in Seattle to like do these like talking like why you just like talk to go to Magnolia. 
go to Magnolia and just like talk to someone there. But it's so lazy to it's so Low lazy effort. and transparent. Just like come the fuck on, man. When, Get the same point across with some, like by cherry picking like random reactionary cranks in the city. There's tons of them. <laughs> well, does Gary Locke live in Seattle? Even does it, does anybody know? <laughs> yeah, uh, like probably not. Yeah. yeah, I mean our 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 future mayor even doesn't live in Seattle. Okay, right. so, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, no shit, True. right? But yeah, our uh, they bring up the fact that like, oh yeah, Gar- former governors Gary Locke and Christine Ge- uh, Gregoire both have come out to support Davison, and then they point out, but curiously, like the local Democrats in the city have not, and it's like hmm. you would think if you're writing for the New York Times, that would lead to a question of like. Maybe two former governors are not representative of the population. <laughs> right. Two like I don't old know. and people closer know. to that population have different pressures on them. <laughs> two ancient people who don't live yep. in the city. Corpses. Uh, who were yeah that everyone hates. And by players. the way, Christine Gregoire only won by like five hundred votes, right? Oh shit! Like, <laughs> governors, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, governors of a of yeah. a state that is not of a state one fucking large city. You know, like we know that, right? Like that there are massive mm-hmm. differences in. But like the average reader of the New York Times would not, right? Yeah. So, yeah. No, but they, I mean, like in any something. place, we know that like urban areas and rural areas have different politics, and those that's just like a basic thing about politics in America and probably anywhere. Like we know that that like you're even in fucking Texas, like you know your cities are run by Democrats, and in fucking Kansas is the same thing. You know, like it's there's a uh, different qualities in different places but i mean uh, greg i can assure you everybody else in the country when you ask them what is in washington state uh, they just picture yeah. seattle and then they just put a boundary that says washington state around it yeah, <laughs> you're like yeah, that's yeah. the only city i know the name of so probably that but the funny thing about Kristen garguire too again something you could probably include that would be interesting is her latest job was i we've mentioned on the show several times but probably everybody forgot is uh, running, she's the head of this bullshit think tank that was put mm-hmm. together by Amazon, Boeing, Microsoft, and a couple of the other big players in the region. Yeah, right. members of the community, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> I like, mean, yeah. How to make Seattle yeah. more friendly to business. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder if that has an impact on Christine Gregoire's endorsement beyond just her personal investment in the community. Yeah, beyond, beyond, beyond Microsoft president Brad Smith personally donating $10,000 to a to an anti-NTK pack, which has been running ads all day with like a uh well i mean like literally every single day there's an ad with ntk with a bandana and a uh you know a black and white background uh being like ntk is too radical for seattle and then it shows like a smiling white woman and davison being like <laughs> uh <laughs> we need we need <laughs> pragmatic politics like uh, personally donated to that along with a lot of other executives in the city like they have such a vested interest in not having and having a you know neutered and business friendly city attorney if you don't mm-hmm. like you know maybe maybe wage theft would be looked into maybe like stuff that is just has never been on the table in seattle um would do i, I there's been a hundred thousand dollars more spent in business pack money against ntk than there has on 
uh, Nikita in, um, you know, position nine, which yeah. I mean, is like significant because city council is usually takes a lot more heat than a city attorney position. Yeah, it's a much higher profile election for Nikita. But, you know, that is not been the case. Well, in I mean, New but York Times, well, they- but look, there haven't there aren't that many. Not that many people are running like this as abolitionists, you know, yeah. in these um, races. I mean, and where we've seen people, uh, you know, on a different scale have success at this, like, you know, Larry Krasner. Um, that's a different type of office. Uh, I but, mean, to be um, fair, Tiffany Caban just won in New York mm-hmm. and she's an abolitionist. Yeah, that's true. Well, I would point out, I do, I do think some of the heat on NTK is because these other people have won. Like, right. exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. if she, yeah. if she was yeah. first in the breach, I don't think that they would have paid as much attention. Would be taking but, her seriously. Right. Yeah, the and, antennas and, are up, though. And people have found out, look, on some level, like, it's been understood for a long time. Like, we've talked about this, how especially Democrats have used um, the various, like, prosecutor prosecutorial offices to like groom uh candidates as like uh for higher offices as like being tough on crime and law and order um and but it's been used to drive a lot of policy and i think that has been made even more clear by the election of people like you know krasner and philly who really has been able to make policy that is radically different from the status quo because these are powerful offices. They're uh, they're basically technocratic offices, which nonetheless like are elected and thus come with the power and legitimacy of that. And they're independent of the rest of the fucking government. You know, they give their mm-hmm. own budget and their own you know electoral mandate, and mm-hmm. you can real and it's real on the ground policy that like is down to the level of individual people. You know, as well as like larger things and. That's huge. That it is a hugely important thing. Uh, it's usually not because the choices are usually so similar. You've got in whether you've got like two or three Democrats running in Seattle, and one of them is using more law and order rhetoric. One's like trying to uh, sound like a you know an old like reformed hippie like pete holmes's whole like uh bit or whatever it's usually not that much to choose from and so this is different making this really ultimately the most consequential election on this ballot i think because as much as we may want to see the district nine race turn out well to see nikita on the council like the benefit there is having a voice uh, in that venue to challenge the status quo, to make it harder to just proceed with the sort of draconian, like sweep and imprison policies against the homeless because there's someone there gumming up the works and giving the people of Seattle another option. And as much as, you know, we can all imagine it would be much better to live in a city in which uh, Bruce Harrell is not the mayor. Uh, we're mostly probably talking about vibes here, but with the city attorney's office, with Nicole in there, there's a much straighter, clearer path to actual on the ground policy changes that 
are not just good in themselves, but I think are probably a more useful political tool of showing uh, what different policies and ways of looking at this stuff can do rather than just telling. Um, right. And that's yeah. just the reality well, of the it's, it's a single person of who, our government. Yeah, it's a single person who gets to determine gets to determine the policy, whereas, you know, Nikita gets elected, that's great, but we still have two seats. We're still a minority on the council, right? Um, but yeah, so let's let's well, let's hear that. The New York Times has a little something to say about the mayoral election here that I think is is interesting. Um, so let's go again, still further down through the article. Seattle's mayoral election features one candidate, Lorena Gonzalez, who last year was among those who endorsed a 50% cut in the police budget, <laughs> running against mm-hmm. Bruce Harrell, who has campaigned on a message for more police. And I think this perfectly exemplifies what the New York Times is trying to do, which is, you know, Seattle, a land of contrasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Lorena last year might have endorsed that 50% uh, cut to the police budget. Where's that right now? Like, yeah. What? Yeah. Where it at, though? Yeah. President of the city council. Yeah. 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 What happened in the interim? Uh, maybe if you're saying last year she did this, uh, that means in the interim she's done not that, and that it doesn't prove your point. So you ex- yeah. you just cut it out. <laughs> no, and literally, like, some of her talking points when people say that are that, like, she fully funded the police's recruiting efforts and stuff. Like, so it's just, like... I mean, yeah, she obviously is playing both sides and to like just Look, make it like, oh, yeah, Lorena, 50 per, or cut 50 percent. Like, no, yeah. it's not that simple. They're, I wish it was. They're hanging that around her neck because in one mm-hmm. moment in the absolute like crisis moment last year when the power in the streets had been pushed to its uh, high water mark, a few people who really didn't want to had to say, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be in favor of that, sure. And then now that's, you know, that's uh, from New York. It it looks like that's how Lorena Gonzalez is running for mayor. And, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. When I, and I think they're trying to push this image, right, uh, which is in the interest of both parties, is that the way American politics work is because of increasing polarization, that thing that most voters care about, <laughs> Um because of that, uh, both political parties run hard left and hard right candidacies. You know, they've never been further apart in their politics, yet we're in the middle of watching a national administration that shows the exact opposite, which is that no matter who you elect, you get the same politics, right? And the interesting thing about Ann Davison is she is the exact exemplar of that, which is yeah. in Seattle with its supposed, you know, liberal tradition or whatever bullshit – uh, every Democrat in Seattle is one ounce of discomfort away from becoming a Trump Republican. Yeah. Like the, right. the fact that that transition was so easy should maybe lead people to question how different the Democrat and Republican politics actually are. Totally. Yeah, it's it is like such a weird dissonance, Brian. It's just like the simultaneously maintain those two things to be to be true, which I mean are in direct contradiction of each other. But it, it it's also funny because. Lorena was literally backed by the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber got <laughs> Lorena elected into city council. Um, I think the head tax 
um, you know, scare quote, radicalized her and like, you know, made her kind of switch more to like the labor side. But she it, 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 she's been a chamber candidate to get in. And like, so it's like it's it's so absurd to me to even like even without, let's say, like hyper local knowledge of um, Seattle politics. Like, I mean, I think that with any city if you want to understand where they actually are just look at the actual forces that are backing them and you know mm. like i think it's pretty material information to know that these two people were both the president of seattle city council both backed by the chamber to get into uh you know the council as well and ultimately their politics are relatively similar and one just happens to be a, a lot more mask off than the other you know mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, that's the part that is left out exactly, Munya, is uh, no word in this entire article of who's backing who. You know, where's the money coming from? Who's backing who? All left by the wayside. It's all about attitudes. Vibes only, yeah. Well, look, if we're going on pure vibes, I mean, it's hard to do worse than Bruce Harrell. Atrocious. Okay. My mom mom read Bruce Harrell's like statement in the voter pamphlet out loud and it was just like horrifying. It was it was just like straight up like, yes, um, we need to clean up our streets. Uh, we we need to add more police. Uh, you know, we need to like do. I was I was like, when is he going to just use the word like camps or something, man? Like, I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was it was gross. Well, uh, it's the I, real rain's going to come speech, but without any of De Niro's charisma, just just <laughs> boring smugness. Well, I made the mistake of uh, watching a football game today uh, oh, on regular television as opposed to on Russian streams, which is how I normally watch it. <laughs> and which means I got a Bruce Harrell ad, uh, interrupting my, uh, wonderful 49ers victory. Um, but, uh, in that ad, he literally is like, we got to get rid of the homeless. Uh, they're scaring the children. It's for the children. He literally does the like uh, uh, Reverend Lovejoy's wife thing of like, will somebody think about the children? <laughs> it's it's pretty brutal. Um, you know what? Let's save our, our Harold predictions, though, to the right. end of the episode. Yeah. We'll do we'll do some okay. quick yeah. predictions. But yeah, uh, but yeah I think God. there's a way there's a way. I mean, you could say like. Well, does the New York Times really have to have all this hyper local knowledge? But in or you know, would their readership even be interested in such hyper local knowledge? But there is a way they could have written this article from like a sixty thousand foot view and been like, yeah, this former governor Chris Gregoire, who is backed by all these corporations who are interested in like rewriting the law in Seattle, uh, has backed Ann Davison. Ann Davis is backed by all these other people, right? Uh, that this is a struggle between real estate interests uh, who are mm-hmm. very concerned about homeless, you know, arresting the homeless and uh, regular people in the city. There's a way you could have done that. Uh, but, of course, the New York Times chose not to and will always choose not to. And I and I think that's something to always keep in mind when reading these things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I do want, and I do want to just hit – I'm sorry. I just want to hit real fast on something that Cassie said earlier, too, about, like, you know – the the uh, Dems locally be mad because like we're trying to win races in Spokane, but I mean that's the other narrative they used. It's a sleight of hand they also use, which they did with defund the police of like, 
oh, a city is not allowed to have a candidate they want or would like to elect because it might just offend some some imagined person somewhere else. Maybe a guy I literally made right. up in my head. Yeah. No, gets and a I mean, yeah. Apparently in a place they don't <laughs> yeah. fucking live. Like, fuck yeah, you, yeah. elect your yeah. own mayor in Spokane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the same thing they do to Shama. Yeah. And I mean, on a bigger level, like not to be an so far. not to be an AOC defender, but like it's the yeah, same thing yeah. they did to AOC too, which sure. is like you're yeah. gonna spook like the yeah. the Midwest voters, and it's like, shut the fuck up. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. When when were you trying to win the Midwest? Because it's not happening. Like yeah, when were you trying to have? When were you trying to have an ideologically united party that voters from all across the country in any uh, jurisdiction could all identify something to look toward and vote for? When was the last time the Democrats did that? Fuck off. Yeah, I'd respect the them more that, if they like, did that. They just yeah, there's doing some brand, like there's some Democratic brand that's going to be like uh, confused, uh, confusing to people in if fucking Nebraska is a joke. Like my cohesive synergized brand. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Uh, all yeah, yeah. Democratic it, campaigns are run on like individual, uh, you know, uh, what passes for political charisma. And that's about it. Like, you know, their story and, uh, you know, they're uh, how they're like a CIA uh, person <laughs> who was a Rhodes Scholar, you know, like that. That's well, how Democratic campaigns are run. It has nothing to do with that other bullshit. Like, all you're really talking about is, like, oh, Republicans will hate us even more. I don't know what the downside of that could possibly if, be. If you, if you want to see the dissonance of just the state of the total chaos and just, like, dysfunction and lack of cohesion the Democrats have, just watch watch the 2020 DNC. You're, mm-hmm. You'll see... Yeah both police like just like being like guest speakers while they like you know in like this second frame are like yes uh we acknowledge black lives matter and you all are very valid and also (laughs) now here's colin powell to speak and you know it's 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 really surreal but like that's like that reflects the reality um a completely disarrayed um you know misaligned party that has no real like (laughs) Like, what is the ideology of the Democratic Party? Like, what what cohesion do they possibly have? Well, Complete I, bullshit. I think the thing is, it's, it's ideology is the exact same as the Republican parties, which is we do whatever American capital asks us to do. Now, the thing is, you just can't tell people that because it's not particularly popular. <laughs> so you have to make up bullshit. By the way, Munio, since you brought up that 2020 DNC, do you guys remember that Elizabeth Warren was in like a uh, had a green screen behind her of a schoolroom and then in children's blocks it just said BLM in the background. Oh, <laughs> yes. 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 oh my god. That is brain melting. Oh, she's a, ra- well, a radical. Let's Fuck, just get yeah, radical baby toys. <laughs> well, speaking of political charisma, let's just close this article out real quick. At the very bottom of the article, they finally get to this uh, video that they mentioned at the top uh, that Ann Davison had made for a Trump supporter who then found themselves getting arrested <laughs> in D.C. Uh, you know, uh, let's, fighting for a real president, you know, fighting for, for real elections. Um, but uh, <laughs> the New York Times states, as part of the video, Miss Davison decried what she said was Democratic leadership in Seattle moving too far to the left. Quote, I just can't be a part of that anymore. 
On Twitter, she decried that the far left was pulling the city toward, quote, Marxism. <laughs> she joined conservative efforts to repeal yeah. a sex education law. This is such a combination of things. She is a Facebook candidate. But let's oh, keep yeah. going. To really top it all off, but although she was running as a Republican and courting Republican endorsements, Miss Davison has tried to distance herself from the declaration. She notes that the office she is running for is technically nonpartisan. And she said she actually voted for Joe Biden. <laughs> Which is well, you know what? Uh, Amazing. Again. A Democrat like, in a nutshell, honestly. There, uh, she is a yes. Democrat. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That yeah. is what yeah. a Democrat is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a Democrat that's believes perfect. all those things. So that's true. It's perfect. Amazing. I love it. Fucking incredible. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that's fun. You know, that's a fun bit of uh, reflection, holding up like the postcard that America reads from Seattle, you know, but now let's let's bring it home. There is an election coming and, well, you know, maybe we should get the Seattle Times, the other, uh, you know, the other paper the, of record. <laughs> The the other like uh, the Seattle paper that pretends to be the New York Times. They use the same typeface. They have the same name. They're also run by like an ancient uh, family of undead ghouls. Uh, yeah, it's so. the Walmart brand. We're getting the <laughs> the Kroger brand uh, version of the New York Times. Mm. Totally. Well, I think the Seattle Times, like the New York Times, also is surviving solely on like poorly arranged to manage real estate deals as well at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so the Seattle Times, this is their endorsement. Uh, the case for Ann Davison as city attorney grows only stronger. The planets align. My master's <laughs> form will become fully flesh soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, look, uh, it says written by the Seattle Times editorial board, and I think we should say in uh, full disclosure, we did write this. But, you know, it was for a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. Since 2010, the casual attitude City Attorney Pete Holmes took toward his prosecutorial (laughs) authority. In his suit and tie on a surfboard. (laughs) Fostered a somewhat lawless atmosphere in Seattle. You had to say somewhat because property crime is actually down, which is what the homeless is in charge of. Um, It felt like it, though. Yeah, Yeah. that's what counts. That's what counts, Cassidy. It Mm -hmm. did feel like it. Mm -hmm. Voters' rights. uh, I'm sorry. Voters were right to reject Holmes' request for a fourth term in the August primary, and should make a fresh start by electing Ann Davison to replace him. It's like, yeah, they rejected his fourth uh, term. Uh, They also overwhelmingly. Like, voted for NTK. So, uh, yeah, what does that mean? Davison, like Holmes, is a civil attorney, but takes a far clearer view of the need for restoring compassionate order on city streets. This means intervening with troubled people in a way that preserves public safety and gets people to helpful services. You know, like the jail. Yeah, uh, jail. Helpful. A study, a study of 100 like- people who had been frequently arrested for minor crimes, found they had been repeatedly let go so rapidly that those 100 people had been charged with involvement in about 3,600 criminal cases. Okay, so... Well, check that off your bingo card. Scott Lindsay's fucking bullshit 100 repeat offenders from the Seattle is dying fucking movie. They're still fucking toting that out. 
That's before <laughs> Seattle died. That story is so old that we talked about it on my very first appearance on this show. I think Holy we shit. brought this yep. up. And yep. I think I had to like remind people of what it was because it was old at that time. It had been debunked a million times since then. Like, Look, one, the numbers are, are just bullshit. They're just lies. But yeah, it did yeah. show. But all that, the like, I mean, the numbers are just wrong. Too. Yeah, the, the numbers are <laughs> just wrong entirely. But did show that, like, oh, homeless people do get arrested a lot uh, for being homeless. <laughs> Like, yeah, it turns out that yeah, we just, if this shit. Make being homeless illegal, homeless people will be arrested a lot. <laughs> Look, wow, I don't know shocker. how to do this podcast anymore because it's frankly getting boring to just keep saying this shit over and over again. <laughs> but listen to this like uh, clear view of restoring compassionate order, compassionate order. What a phrase. Uh, this means, you know, intervening with troubled people again, you know, we're. These are the other. We're excluding them from what preserves public safety. It's like they're not the fucking public. These troubled people, um, and yeah, it's like th- uh, this phrase. Where is it in here? Like uh, frequently arrested for minor crimes. They do have to say mm. minor crimes here. Yeah, they uh, and found that they'd been re- let go so rapidly. I mean, you're talking about shit that, like, petty shoplifting uh, mm-hmm. and other, like, you know, uh, yeah, like, uh, blocking a sidewalk or something that these people are saying, like, we should have put that person in prison for 10 years so we didn't have to look at them. Yeah. Like, I, what? There, that's the only again, thing you can take away from this is, like, we need to put these people away. Well, this goes back to the conversation we had when, again, we reviewed Seattle is Dying on the show uh, years ago. But, uh, yeah, the uh, in that, you know, documentary, I mean, God, the loosest use of that term, uh, the head of Awajimaya was like, you know, people get caught, you know, pe- doing petty shoplifting at Awajimaya, and I see him again, you know, on the street in a few days, and it's like, yeah, yeah, dude, they shoplifted okay. a candy bar. Like, what do you do? You think that's like a fifty-year sentence? Like, like yeah. what, are you, what are you talking? Should about? be, yeah, yeah, should yeah. Be. To them, I, uh, that's the only answer, right? So let's get back Jesus. to the times here. So this isn't mercy; it's turning a blind eye to public safety. And the need, this should be read as Richard Nixon really. It's turning a blind eye to public <laughs> safety, and the need to get individuals meaningful help. You know, like jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davison is the only candidate serious about reforming the city's justice system to make Seattle a kinder, safer place. Davison's not serious about anything. Look at that fucking smile. Look well, no, the, what they look at that fucking jack o' lantern ass like grin. It and those looks like a fucking Instagram post from 2012 using the <laughs> Nashville oh, look at those filter. Hollow fucking eyes. There's n- there's almost nothing behind those eyes. What is is clearly evil. Well, by kinder, safer, safer place, I mean, I think what they mean is, hey, if you are somebody who's invested in property downtown as part of your investment portfolio, when you come to visit it once every six months, don't you want to not have to see poor people? Wouldn't that make it a kinder, safer place? The kinder, safer part never seems to apply to those to the poor people themselves, right? Apparently putting them in prison is a kinder, safer option where, of course... It's humane. Yeah, that's the humane option is to put them in a steel cage where you can forget about them. 
you know. Yeah, fucking it's humane like, to like gas, my gassing cats is humane. Okay, like <laughs> <laughs> so. Don't put that in the Seattle Times head, man. That'll be an editorial next month. <laughs> I, I, I know. Her opponent. That's what keeps us in business, man. <laughs> yeah. Her opponent, Nicole Thomas Kennedy, is a self proclaimed abolitionist of policing in jails woof, and has woof, said, woof, woof, woof. I know. Hey, don't, don't threaten us with a good time. And has said she will cut back dramatically on the city's prosecutions of misdemeanor offenses. Oh, no. I know. Shop, the most bullshit offenses will ever. Be, yeah. Shoplifting will be required in Seattle. Yeah, the, you have to yeah. shoplift. You have to shoplift. The police will no longer be allowed to murder you on site for jaywalking. I mean, <laughs> Chuds really literally looked at Carl Nelson's uh, comic and were and like unironically posted it, being like, "Yeah, like NTK, <laughs> this is gonna be what NTK is gonna do." <laughs> no, no, no. You know what it is? It. I think the whole thing, like this belief in punishment as deterrent and needing to like keep law and order by like you know draconian uh, police measures and jail sentences is rooted in the like uh lawless entitlement of being rich in America. Cause all these mm-hmm. people who, you know, are own all the real estate in Seattle and are really want the fucking, uh, you know, pours off their stoops and shit. Like, no, they are fucking constantly breaking the law every yeah. single day as written. And that there's this is, uh, Sarah Nelson's there's eco no blocks, right? <laughs> yeah, know? right. Yeah, Sarah <laughs> so. Nelson fucking like putting fucking massive pieces of concrete on public sidewalks so that, you know, uh, God forbid no uh, poor people can like uh, exist there for a minute. But this is, you know, all these people fucking cheat on their taxes. All these people mm-hmm. uh, break the law as landlords, right? Constantly. Engage in wage day, theft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do wage theft day in and day out. And they know to them it is a cost benefit analysis. To them, it's on a balance sheet. It's like, the risk is I might get a fine and over mm. the long haul, I can, I, it's better for me to do this. And that's how they look down at everybody else. And they, what they don't, they don't see, uh, I mean, these are monsters we're talking about vampires uh, who should have stakes through their hearts, but like they don't see. The yeah, they don't see. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they don't hold on, see hold on. Yeah, none of the fashion sense of the Voltari. Yeah, right. right. Well, some of them yeah. might. I don't know. Kind of. Uh, they don't see poverty and see a systematic, uh, you know, cause there. They see uh, a bunch of people who are who must be going through life like they do, making the same cost benefit analysis. They just happen to be poor. They're not asking why are they poor. They're just thinking like. Yeah, really, like every single person in Seattle will only shoplift and not pay for food or Mm -hmm. goods anymore ever because there isn't going to be prosecution like they really because because that's what they're doing day in and day out. Mm Well, I mean, if you were hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein on his island, doing what Jeffrey Epstein does on his island, uh, you might have a different view of human nature than uh normal people who aren't fucking monsters who should be thrown in the sea, you know? And, and I think that the, the wealthy, yeah. I mean, there was a study years ago, uh, that basically asked people about like the morality of various acts, right. And went through all these different acts. 
And the real crux of the study was trying to see if rich people just had a different sense of morality than than regular people did. And they did find out that rich people were more likely to literally steal candy from a baby. Like that was cool. one of the, yeah. one of the oh, scenarios yeah. they went through, and the rich were statistically significantly more likely to steal candy from a baby. Like they they are, uh, capital does make you fundamentally uh, immoral and awful. All right, well let's let's hear about Nicole though. So Nicole Thomas Kennedy also has been an abrasive violence advocating presence on social media oh forget what oh, happens no. in the real world what's happening on fucking what's Twitter? happening with tweets well this does not bode well for her ability to be an effective advocate for reasonable discourse and policy building you know that <laughs> job of city attorney advocate yeah. where you're the Fuck advocate for reasonable shit. discourse yeah right, what about the discourse the you guys Trump? think about the it Trump yeah. Republican Jeez is that candidate yeah for reasons yes. yeah, i don't even know how to do the yeah. job yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. is the candidate for reasonable discord like maga person <laughs> no like why aren't we talking about her tweets they're wild too they're like, fucking insane just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh i guess uh the seattle times I, i'm sure they'll get to looking at them uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thomas Kennedy's rhetoric and approach are so concerning that former Democratic governors Christine Jesus. Gregoire and Gary Locke, oh my God, as well as thirty retired judges, including oh, the four judges. <laughs> oh my God, that's like that. Like <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the scum of the earth here, basically. Yep. Like the worst people in the world. This is like in Blazing Saddles when. Harvey Corman is like hatching a plan to recruit a mob of the the worst cutthroats and thugs and murderers <laughs> in the West. I want you to round up every vicious criminal and gunslinger in the West. Take this down. I want rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, mugs, pugs, thugs, nitwits, halfwits, dimwits, vipers, snipers, con men, Indian agents, Mexican bandits. Muggers, buggerers, bushwhackers, hornswagglers, horse thieves, bull dykes, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and Methodists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wedged between the two clan members are your local judges. But yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, also, as explained on the show many times, uh, some of the dumbest people on the planet. You should never, uh, you should not confuse ability to end people's lives with having any amount of fucking brains or intelligence. Um, but yeah, so they have these judges. They've uh, stepped up to endorse Davison. So, uh, and blah, blah, blah. Davison deserves whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, yeah, I think this maybe gets us. I, I want to get to the tweets thing, though, because I want to throw something at you guys. I have a couple of friends who have been uh, knocking doors for NTK basically since the beginning, right? So for a long I did time yesterday. Now. Oh, well, yeah. Greg, because I, I peer pressured you, just saying. I was, yeah, I, I, I was, it was my plan. I had, I've been sure, working sure, too much. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, Do not a, listen to Dare. I'm going to take some of this uh, Halloween candy that no kids showed up to get today, and I'll put it in the mail for you, Greg. But the point being is they've been doing this basically since the beginning. And they were telling me that like basically in the last few weeks, maybe maybe a month, 
they all of a sudden, and they've been doing like phone banking and stuff too. All of a sudden, this tweet shit is like all they fucking hear about. They're like, we never heard about this at all. And now we just keep getting these people like, you know, they've even had some people that are like, I voted for in the primary, but these tweets are very concerning. And I guess, what level should we be panicked over the tweets? But also, why does anybody in the city care about this shit? What is wrong with this fucking city? I mean, it's if it's all people have to go on because they're just being bombarded with it constantly, like, that's what you're going to get. No, um, and I mean, this isn't, like, rationalizing it, but just thinking of, like, you know, a normal human. Um, like, we are all so controlled by, like, our bosses and capital that, like, we don't get to, like, talk about... I mean, I do, but like general people like don't get to talk about like things that they actually want to talk about on social media. Like they're always afraid of being fired, this and that. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that and not again, not rationalizing this, but I think that there is a line of thought that's like, you know, like if she's going to say these crazy radical things on Twitter, then like what's she going to do in office? Because like if I did that, I'd get fired from my job sort of thing. Um, I don't know, but it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's still dumb, but yeah. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things of like, you sometimes forget people, do people just not understand social media is not real? <laughs> like, it doesn't fucking matter. Who cares? But I No, guess and not. again, it's just like, I mean, you yeah. know, compare it to who she's running against, and it's not like Anne has this clean... Mm -hmm. you know, social media history. Like she's said some crazy shit too. Um, and again, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, if we contextualize what Nicole's saying, like, and talk about when it was said and like what it was about, like most people. And I hope that people who are knocking doors and phone banking, like they do mm -hmm. have those sort of conversations, which is like, look, like this is why it was said. This is what she meant. And this is when it happened. Most people who, again, if they voted for in the primary, I would hope that they would hear that and go, oh, yeah, OK, I hear that. That makes sense. Um, but when you contextualize the things that Anne has said, it's like that's, you know, supporting like white supremacy and like the January 6th stuff and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a luxury item. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do think that this does really point out and expose, though, that genuinely running a campaign against a candidate who is backed by capital and against a machine that is in is, that has an actual material interest in you like not being elected is really hard um yes. it's it, 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 yes. it's extreme to run against capital and the forces that you know um will put out just endless media the reason why they spend all that money is because frankly it does work it does influence mm -hmm. people and yeah. you know it's it's um you know these narratives that then get like pushed by pr people by you know um you know news media eats it up and just like setting a dominant because it's narrative so easy yeah it's really easy and it and it mm -hmm. and it has sway over people yeah. and so like to counteract that it's really hard when you, you don't have the same level of war chest that a lot of like capital has so you know like knocking doors and everything is so essential but like Absolutely, you know yeah. even if you are like a great candidate like running these types of campaigns and like you know um suffering blows it's like 
it is a inherently an uphill battle in this, I totally. think, is a depiction of why it actually is an uphill battle. Because you yeah, can no. control narratives really easy if you have if you have the capital to do it. It's so easy. Yeah, no, and actually now that you say that, like it makes me think of times on the doors with Bernie, which is that like, yeah, you know, there would be things that the media would be throwing out that were so stupid, you know, and like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how stupid it is. It could be the Cuba stuff. It could be like yeah. the, the His houses. How, how, how dare he go on Joe Rogan, you know, uh, like th- things that it's <laughs> like, you know, an a- actual voter doesn't like at really care, but then they hear that thing and it gets stuck mm-hmm. in their head and they use and that constantly. as an excuse. Well, they're right. told and, they should care, right? And yeah. the thing is, least, is, like, go ahead. Or at least it gives them something to say. It's the thing that's stuck in their head and gives them something yep. to say to you at the door. You well, know, and it gives, does that and mean it, they're going to go and vote for a fucking Republican? Maybe or maybe know. not. But the thing is, is like, I think what it does do is like, it's so easy to vote for the safe candidate. And I think a lot of people want to vote oh, yeah. for someone who's going to be more progressive or do more things or this or that. But then like they have that fear and like they're just mm. waiting for that one thing to legitimize like, oh, we need to go on the safer route. We need to go with that safer path. And so that I think that does really speak to like, you know, the power of like organizing and just having like actual conversations and community building and stuff like that. And like, I think this is actually a good path into what we're going to close with, which is that like, you know, the only thing that can actually um, overcome like the media bullshit is community building and like talking to people and going like, because it's so easy for them to just put that in a press release and it goes to the local news, it goes to the newspapers, it goes to New York times, it goes everywhere. And that message is amplified times a hundred thousand, a million, whatever. So like we need to knock so many doors and talk to so many people to overcome like that stupid little blurb. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) think about how much in the last two, I mean, the last two articles have so heavily weighted, uh, losers like Christine Gregoire and, uh, Oh God, what the fuck? Uh, Lock, uh, Gary, Gary Lock. Lock, you know, fucking losers who you can't even remember the names of. Uh, apparently, <laughs> their opinion gets fucking amplified a million times more than anybody actually on the ground. And uh, now it should be pointed out that does blow up in their faces sometimes. In the case of the Bernie campaign, when Chris Matthews said that Bernie was going to have him executed in Central Park. Uh, Bernie did get a huge bump from that. So sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, Some, well, sometimes, yeah. you know, when it, when it hits, God. it hits. That <laughs> shit was wild. Between that and then, like, at the end of the campaign, they were, like, they compared him to COVID. They're like, can we stop COVID and Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hell Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. Just do yeah. the one-two punch. I, I think we've all, because you have to, because it was so insane, have forgotten how how the level of panic that that Bernie campaign created genuine genuine the, panic yeah yeah the just insane lengths that the national media and the Democratic Party went to um do but we I wanna... mean yeah like same vibes locally yeah. I would say yeah. Yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing we're seeing that with NTK I mean it, it should yeah. strike people as uh crazy that a city attorney's race again in Seattle not exactly a uh like Seattle listeners, close your ears for a second. 
not exactly a first tier American city. Um, <laughs> that Glad is, you said it. Not that, I, I'd be canceled for saying that. Exactly, canceled for truth. But yeah, yeah like that is getting covered on Fox News again. Oh, not just on Fox News on the most watched cable news program in America on yeah. Fox News Tucker. is covering this race. Yeah. The New York Times, the paper of record, is covering this race, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe showing that Tucker and the New York Times, not necessarily the hugest distance between their funders. Mm. Um, but, like, you know, that it's being covered in these arenas should be, like, pretty shocking. I mean, like, when has this ever fucking happened? You know, city attorney's race in, in nowhere, you know? Nowhere America? You know, right. Yeah. Uh, wild. Okay. So, uh, that's what the sewer dwelling freaks at the times think. Uh, what do we think? I mean, what, what's going to happen? It's obviously pointless to predict these races are probably going to be close, but it's a podcast. What the fuck else are we going to do? Um, of course, yeah. does anyone poll local races? Yeah, so, and, like, I don't know how super, uh, like, um, good, uh, like, methodologies this is or whatever, but, like, Northwest Progressive Institute did drop some polling, like, a week or two ago, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, So, it shows, so, first off, talking about the race we were just looking at with Ann Davidson and Nicole Thomas-Kennedy, um, it shows Anne at 43%, Nicole at 24%, and then 30% not sure. Um, and then for Nikita nice. versus Sarah, mm-hmm. it shows Sarah at 41%, Nikita at 37%, and 21% not sure. Um, well, so. And, and if I can make a quick note on the methodology here. Um, it does say that they, they got uh, responses or recruited respondents based on targeted ads on Facebook. So we know everybody over 60 has participated, <laughs> but also targeted ads on Instagram. So we know everybody under 25 has participated. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is, this is a strong poll of 18 to 25-year-olds and 60 to dad. Who <laughs> wanted to participate in a Who poll. Who wanted to participate. Do we have a sound? Do do they say like the number of people who responded? It was like six hundred fifty. Six, yeah, okay. right. and so like right. the thing I would say, like my takeaway from this, like wasn't necessarily like whether or not these results are accurate or not, but like we're if we're looking at these two polls, which are of the same people, I do find it interesting that you know Nikita only has like a four point margin which is within the margin of error i'm pretty sure and they even right in their article they basically say like look like we think Nikita could pull this through um where uh Nicole and also Lorena who is 16 points down from Bruce um like within this sample whatever it is it's interesting that there are people who uh, are going to be voting Bruce and uh, Anne, but also voting for Nikita. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I think the reason for that, and again, like I can't speak to these six hundred people, but I do think, like I am am throwing out a prediction that I think there could be a legitimate scenario where we do see a Bruce and uh, Nikita 
ticket because, um, you know, Nikita has been doing that work for years. And so, like, I do think that perhaps there is a scenario in which any sort of attacks that may have been thrown at them and the money that's being spent against them, they are more resilient against that. um, Because just as we were saying before, you know, it's those conversations and community building, which is actually going to, you know, uh, deter those attacks and things that, you know, sadly, Nicole, and she'll say this herself, like she's a new candidate, she's never done this before. um, And she hasn't done the community building and things like that, that, that Nikita has. And so I do think that there's a possibility for that to happen. I, I don't know how seriously to take the polls. Um, I do take your point, though, Cassidy, that there is a difference, a big difference between how Nikita is polling those same people. Um, so right. that makes me yeah. feel pretty good about uh, Nikita, actually. Um, I think those polls are probably, I mean, dude, it's impossible to poll in this kind of race, like in any like seriously predictive way um no and i mean anyone will say don't ride the polar coasters yeah don't ride Mm -hmm, the polar coasters and i think more than anything it just and we know this from the primary like i mean sarah and and nikita nikita pulled through but like they were very close to being tied and so we know this is going to be a close race um Mm -hmm. where you know and i mean maybe the other ones will be too but i think this one especially like yeah you know if you haven't gotten out and gotten to the doors or donated and that sort of stuff like this is going to be really close so yeah yeah i mean i think i think nikita's race is going to be close and my rule of thumb just like and this is just my personal opinion my rule of thumb is that if nikita is down by let's say five points during election night they're probably going to pull out a win um Mm -hmm. if they're down by let's say eight points it's probably going to be a loss it's going to be a lot tougher yeah you know uh, it very well could be like just a two-point swing this time who knows right Mm -hmm. this is just like how trends usually are the Mm -hmm. more dramatic swings happen um you know in district races so it's a little less volatile for you know um council but yeah just keep that in mind when the ballast drop is like think about like the margin if it's a very close margin on the first drop that probably means um you know uh nikita would pull it out yeah. Um, I think Bruce is going to win in a landslide, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is really looking that way. I've been, not been impressed with um, Lorena's campaign at all. Uh, it's actually kind of baffling to me. It's uh, so. insane. And we, and we all voted for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we endorsed <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're I mean, his, his official <laughs> endorsement page. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the n- Lorena's Change Twitter. Seattle, that was us. Yeah, that was us. That was us. But no, like (laughs) Lorena, like a week ago, tweeted, like, email us if you want to volunteer. And I was just like, babe, what? Like, we're running a mayoral campaign. Email us? What are you talking about? It's just it's it's concerning for sure. Yeah, I I think that's uh I I, I, I think uh, I agree with the Bruce probably wins that. Hey, I'll throw up a a prediction, by the way, that I think. you guys could tell me this is crazy. Let's hear Arena it. Reina or Bruce probably doesn't fucking matter. They'd probably both be the same fucking mayor. Mm-hmm. People would be on the. It's like the Trump shit where they'd probably be more angry at Bruce, exactly. but probably exactly. in the actual substance of their mayoral you know, right. terms, yeah. probably not uh, very different. No, and I mean, look, uh, like you know, I'd Lorena, love to say like same policies. I'd yeah. love to say like, oh, Lorena, like, no way, she's going to be the labor strong candidate, and yeah. but like, guess what? She didn't even unionize her own campaign. So mm. yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> just saying. Yep. 
There you go. Well, leave them when they tell you who they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Union strong, except for your th- own workers who yeah, are going to be yeah. 1099. They're martyrs. So. They're not workers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're martyrs. Think- <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like apostles. <laughs> That's not real work. <laughs> I mean, Bruce Harrell is going to be a, just a smug, uh, obnoxious presence for people who have the misfortune of following local politics. Um, and all of the, you know, good proposals and policies that are pushed by people like Shama Swant and future council person, uh, Nikita Oliver, you know, will be dashed eventually in different ways under the, under those two regimes. I guess that's why I don't care. Ultimately it's like either someone's going to be like a real advocate for, radical change or they're not and some you know someone's either going to be like a real voice for um working class power or they're not and like that's that's really the stakes of these races is like starting to build that kind of power to show Mm -hmm. that it's possible to show what you can say in those positions of power what you can advocate for for what you can refuse to fold on what you can refuse to go along with and cooperate and make compromises on what you can insist on you know roadblocking and making as difficult as possible for the entire power structure i'm talking about our hero shama swat right now uh like and that that is a the be could be the beginnings of like showing how you could build power off of that and unfortunately like actually getting anything meaningful done uh you know is not like uh probably in the cards you know like Mm -hmm. sorry um yeah but you know uh, it's but you know incremental small things maybe maybe yeah expanding the jumpstart tax in the next uh, over the next term right that's a possibility you know something that basically everyone begrudgingly knows kind of has to happen like progressive like some modest progressive income from the uh the biggest corporations but like you know that's what we're talking about basically yeah, when I think it's uh, important to always remember that, like, elections and sort of politics is a uh, rigged game. It, this is These are the boss's elections. These are the boss's politics, right? Don't forget that in Detroit and Flint, they just said, uh, hey, uh, you know what? You actually don't get a city government. Uh, this guy from, like, uh, you know, Citibank or Chase, he actually runs your city now. You can do that in America. The state can just come in and say, oh, sorry that you voted. That actually doesn't count. Uh, this banker is actually is your new overlord. <laughs> you can run your decisions past him and see what he says. Um, you could do that in America, right? So it all comes down to what builds power on the ground. Yep. Right? Mm. That's the only thing you should care about is what builds power on the ground. 100%. And Sometimes that means participating in doomed campaigns. Sometimes that means, you know, uh, getting somebody elected, even though, you know, the state will step in to intervene from them doing anything, you know, but got to build it on the ground, baby. Yep. This is a great, great note to leave it on. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I really want to see, I think, 
Uh, Nikita's going to pull it out, which is awesome. I really, really, really want to see Nicole get in there because I want to see, like, you know, file boxes first full of personal effects being frog marshed out of City Hall. And um, we need a mechanical <laughs> freak endorsed candidate in office. I mean, imagine the power. Yeah, that too. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to exactly. be lawless. I mean. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. We're the new mafia, you know. We like yeah. get a city attorney in office, and you know, no, those uh, Big those stuff. investigations yeah. over over uh, like uh, shoplifting Mountain Dew, and um, <laughs> you know, doing like these like weird, <laughs> weird like Pagliacci schemes to like get Boat a crimes. Bridge pizza. Yeah, like, yeah, We're yeah. All yeah. gonna be wheezing the maritime juice. crime. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, yeah. Out the piracy. window, it's baby. Called piracy. That's <laughs> what I call politics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, go out and uh, you know, remember to vote on Wednesday. And uh, <laughs> good luck, everybody. Well, yeah. Good night. <laughs> remember to cast uh, other people's ballots. Yeah, Doing steal crime some fun. ballots, yeah. some last Doing minute ballots. Yeah. And if NTK wins, uh, crime's legal, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you won't <laughs> yeah. even, it won't no even matter. No repercussions, yeah. yeah. You just got to do it a lot so that you can guarantee NTK winning. You'll be what we call in the biz an early adopter. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so... Um, yeah, closed out there. Uh, for those of you all that are interested, for those of you all that are following along, uh, we just had a new Ending the Myth come out yesterday talking all about abolition and the Civil War. And we have a very special episode. We had a guest a week and a half ago, and guess what? We got another fucking guest showing Let's up to go, talk baby. with us. To Damn. talk about America's worst president andrew johnson <laughs> we have a very special guest i you know i don't want to say you know we want to keep the mystery going i'll just give a hint uh we'll, we'll just call him matt c maybe no, no brian 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 that's that that's way too obvious i think that we should just be a little more subtle let's go with m chrisman yeah we'll say m chrisman very special guest uh, this sunday on ending the myth to talk about america's Worst president, Andrew Johnson. So tune in. It's going to be great. It's legendary. It's a great interview. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, In addition to that, we have three new patrons. Uh, Chris, Gustavo, and Jim from The Office, I'm assuming. Wow. I'm looking at the camera right now. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Exactly. If uh, you want to be cool like Chris, Gustavo, and Jim, who I assume were uh, all in uh, Libya when the shit hit the fan, um, (laughs) you you can do so by going to Patreon and giving us $5 a month uh, and getting lots of extra content. You get an extra episode a week. Uh, You get... uh, Colin will be sending drawings in from the prison that he's being kept in uh, while trying to get Mountain Dew from uh, wealthy neighborhoods. Uh, we'll be posting his drawings that he does with his feet on the cell wall. Uh, wow. And new, we have a new Patreon tier I'd like to announce as well. Uh, $100 oh. will get uh, foot pics from all of us. So uh, just, just know. Just know. My price is way higher than that. Yeah, <laughs> That's available. Yeah. <laughs> Cassie, we're just gonna send foot pics we found on Google. It's fine. Oh, cool, cool, cool. 
<laughs> so yeah, be cool. Come join our Patreon. Uh, the water's warm, and we have a very cool uh, Discord community when you join Patreon too. That is, oh yeah, that is now it's, thriving. It's popping. Yeah, it's, off. it's insane. Mm-hmm. I cannot follow it at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you do like our show, bull in a different way before, but yeah, yeah, like, right, right. right. Yeah. The, the pendulum swung way on the other. <laughs> it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Um, um, if you do like our show, please just like tell someone about it too. That's like the best way we Honestly, rely on word of mouth. Friend to friend so, organizing. Wow. You know, yeah. Okay. You know, when yeah. you're canvassing, just, you know, yeah. like, name drop us <laughs> yeah. a little bit. There. Yeah. Totally. When you're canvassing, the best thing to do is when somebody answers the door, begin by talking about our show. That's a way yeah. in. All right. That's yeah. a way in did you, to their house. Yeah. And did their you heart. hear Nicole on Mechanical Freak? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, come on. Everyone's going to say, oh, our yeah. Listeners, of course I did. Yeah. According to our Discord, um, someone has actually been doing A-B testing and said that, uh, you know, if you're a long-term listener and like, you know, people have always just kind of looked in weird disgust when you mentioned our former podcast name, um, there has been uh, reports that pitching Mechanical Freak has been um, at the, at least 10 times more effective in getting people interested in our yeah. show. So if you've market been disheartened, beating down, market research is on the up and up. Um, <laughs> tell them, give us a rating on iTunes too. That hey, actually yeah. really helps. Yeah, Stop. like, comment, Don't. subscribe. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's getting dangerously cr- close to admitting there might have been a reason for the name change and I'm going <laughs> to cut this for that reason. Oh. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, that's, well, that's not that's not allowed. Well, the the <laughs> clock is about to strike midnight on this All Hallows Eve. Uh, should we call it a night, folks? Let's do it. It's 11-11. Right, right. Make a wish. Time to eat Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. Yeah, I got 100 pieces of candy I got to mow through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Bye, everybody. Bye. bye.